0: Welcome to another of these Ecclesia videos. The aim of these really is to expand our vision of Jesus and his church. Uh, And each time we we, we try to take an aspect of of church life and leadership and and, and talk about it. And, And today I'm thrilled to be with a friend of mine, Leon Sim. Leon, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Good. Great great to have you with us. Leon, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Um, well, uh, at the moment, um, I'm based in uh, Plymouth, uh, a church, um, you know, with the with sister church in, in, in town. And I'm based at the smaller one, uh, St. Paul's Stonehouse. I um, uh, live here with uh, my wife, Steph. Um, we met in London, and uh, we've got um, three, um, you know, very lovely
0: children. <laughs> Who've recently, or some of which have recently gone back to school. Yes, to, the, there. Back to school, Yeah. Fantastic. Where are you from
1: originally? Uh, originally, I'm from Malaysia. Uh, and uh, I was sent over here when I was 17 because <laughs> my parents couldn't handle me. Um, nah, uh, it, you know, went to boarding school for a couple of years and then ended up in a, a university in London, um, which was great. Not the university itself, but. You know, with, with hindsight, the, the Lord was really good. Um, uh, somehow, he, he he I just went to the church that was nearest to, to where I was living. Uh, turned out to be All Souls um, Langham Place. Um, and, uh, you know, that just, just being part of the church did, did wonders for me. I think the Lord was working in me a lot then.
0: We're gonna think about a, a few different things around church life and leadership. Uh, we're, we're gonna think about what is church, as we always do in, in these videos. We're gonna think about, what it means to be enemies of the cross and friends of Jesus, uh, and, and also what it is to be, well, dealing with the issue of brumbling. Uh, how do we lead through through that um, or out of that, perhaps? So I'll, I'll leave Leon to that shortly. Leon, let's start with that question, though, of what, what is church?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think one of the things that struck me about church as we were thinking about this is that it's, it's, it's like the reason for everything, isn't it? um it's why everything um exists um and when you think about it it's also what the living God lives for Mm. um you know you know I'm not taking away the fact that um our lives the Lord God should be at the center of our lives but in many ways the church is the very center of the life of the Father Son and Holy Spirit um and we can we can think about that and Mm. and when you think about it like um what what the living God is willing to give up, um, for the church, they gave up everything. You know what I mean? It's almost like their relationship with the church is more important than, 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 than their own relationship with each other. Uh, they put that on the line for the church and and Jesus laid down his life for the church and for nothing else.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah,
0: can I just interject there? Because you said something there, and perhaps some people are, are thinking, what, really? You, you said, you know, that the church is at the center uh, of the life of God. Mm-hmm. Could you just expand on that a little bit? And, and maybe is, is there something in the tabernacle that you might want to share with us there that might help us think about that? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah um, I think, you know, we, we, the, the tabernacle is this, like, um, model of creation, isn't it? Um, I've got a model of um, London here lego model of london um and 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 actually the tabernacle is like a mini model of the whole of creation mm-hmm. uh, seen and unseen heaven and earth and you'll know that um the main part of the tabernacle is just the most holy place and the holy place mm-hmm. uh, which represents heaven and earth right and there's a there's a curtain um and and, and the three pieces of furniture which represents each person of the trinity all in exodus right mm-hmm. um the, the ark represents the father um the bread uh, the table with the bread on it represents jesus the bread of life and then you get the golden lampstand representing the holy spirit with oil shining on jesus and yet there's a fourth piece of furniture right in the middle of all that and that is the uh, the altar of incense which represents the prayer of the saints so it's almost like you know in a very yes. i don't know physical way um the church the life of the church is in you know, the, you know the church is just in the middle of the life of the trinity
0: mm. so yeah. good and that's a great little um bible study to do isn't it to 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 see where, where is lampstand where are lampstands in the bible and um, there's something mm. in zechariah that people might yeah. like check out which connects the lampstands with the spirit yeah i thing about it, like you said bread what how's bread understood in in the bible and the Ark of the Covenant and all of that. Fantastic. That's really, really exciting and fantastic. Carry on, though, with what you were saying. Is there anything more that you, you want to say about church? Yeah. Um, and
1: I, 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 I think, you know, there are all sorts of different pictures of church. Um, but I, um, I wonder if the biggest one is actually the church as the bride of Christ. Um, and, you know, because, like, um, in, in, in Genesis, right, um the first thing that that happened um that the lord did with adam and eve was to uh, uh, uh give them marriage okay and um uh, and this this is quoted right for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh right and and in ephesians chapter 5 paul quotes exactly that verse in ephesians 5 verses 31 to 32 uh, and he goes on to say this is a profound mystery but I am talking about Christ and the church. So, you know, Adam and Eve, um, Adam is a pattern of the one who is to come who is Jesus and and Eve is a picture of the church. Um, And I think, um, so, and at the end uh, we see in Revelation 21, um, the heavenly Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride beautifully dressed for a husband. You get the first wedding in the beginning of creation and you get, A wedding at the end of this passing creation and at the beginning of the new creation to come uh and i think that's what um human marriage is supposed to point to uh christ and his relationship with with the church and and i wonder if sometimes um you know i was thinking about this and how the old testament is sort of like the engagement period between jesus and the church right and then with christmas he finally left heaven in a very very different way you know he was always on earth ministering to the church right but jesus the word when he became flesh that was almost like when he became one flesh he left his father and became united to his you know became one flesh with his with his bride um you know that that's sort of what what i think about um but i think it, it it's also very very important for us because it kind of reminds us of the kind of relationship that jesus actually wants to have with us You know, in Hosea chapter 2, verse 16, which is another, um, you know, the whole book is about the relationship between Christ and the church. Um, In chapter 2, verse 16, he says um, to the church, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. And I think that's wonderful, isn't it? Um, Sometimes you, I don't know if you've come across certain gospel um, booklets and the focus is on God being king or master and stuff like that, as if like, that is the good news but actually the lord is saying the good news is i don't want to, you to relate to me like a master servant relationship i don't need really to deny there is the aspect obviously mm. but it's not just that you know the lord is saying i, I want you to relate to me like i'm your husband mm. which means that you know there's there's a lot of intimacy that we can enjoy with the living god um more than we tend to imagine mm. um and and actually um what does what was the responsibility of a husband to the to his bride is to love. You know what I mean? And, and and the Lord knows that we're so insecure. We're so prone to forget that He does love us. He even created the world in such a way so that every day He can remind us of His love for us. And that's in the creation of the Sun. Right? It wasn't an accident that the Sun was created that way. Um, but Psalm 19 tells us the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands day after day they, they pour forth speech. You know what I mean? Um, and he says like, you know, how, 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 how do the heavens tell us about the Lord God? Well, he takes an example, you know, look at the sun and how does he describe the sun? The sun is like a bridegroom, you know, and, and I'm an awesome husband to my wife. No, not really. (laughs) Um, but the Lord God didn't create the sun to remind Steph of how wonderful the husband I am. The Lord God created (laughs) the sun in such a way to remind the whole, whole of creation, the whole universe. That everything is about the son loving, uh, Jesus, the son, loving his bride. But every time, you know, I wonder, like, when I feel whether does, does Jesus love me? Um, is he on my side? It's like, look, the sun has risen yet again to say, I am your bridegroom. Whatever happens today, I am your bridegroom. And I love you. I couldn't love you more. Yeah.
0: That's, that's wonderful. So encouraging. And, can I just pick up on a few things and maybe you have more more to say there but um you know obviously there's you you talked about Hosea there um, but there's loads of marriages in the bible and some people might be be, be reading the bible thinking what on earth are, are, are all these marriages about are you wanting to say that in some sense they are perhaps types or sometimes anti-types of of that relationship between Christ and his bride is that is that how we should read those passages? Yes.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. So, um, in Hosea itself, right? Um, you know, it's it's a terrible relationship between. You know what I mean, uh, Hosea and and his and his wife. Um, and Hosea is a is a godly man, but his wife is a is a serial adulteress. And uh, if I if I'm if I'm not wrong, I think um the ch- some of the children anyway, if not all, some of the children born to um Hosea's wife. Um, is actually, um, they were born out of wedlock through her adulterous relationships, right? And then um, there's a verse that tells us why the Lord is telling Hosea to to be faithful in this relationship to to his unfaithful wife. Um, And it says, um, where is it? Yeah, in chapter three, um, Hosea chapter three from verse one, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, um, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisins.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So,
1: you know, Hosea and his, his marriage to his wife um, is, is saying to the Lord, The Lord is assuring us, I know all your unfaithfulness. Nothing you do ever surprises me, hmm. um, but I still love you.
0: Hmm that's wonderful and and i guess this is where we do need good trinitarian theology here especially as we're reading the bible because it, it is it's not the father who marries the church mm. right it is it is christ who is the bridegroom of of the church yes and the father is completely involved in that but um that's worth remembering isn't it when we're reading passages like that mm. Mm. yeah you also talked about just enjoying intimacy with god uh, and with the Lord, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and can I just pick you up on that as well, and just say, well, yeah, you know, how how do you uh, press into that intimacy with the Lord uh, yeah. even now as we wait for Him to come again? Yeah, um,
1: I think part of it is is understanding um, that that is what He wants with us. Uh, he's not a, a a God who just wants to save us and then bear with us for all eternity. Uh, he saved us everything he did is to bring us close to himself you know what i mean to, to die for us um and i think um part of the things that, that one 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 book in particular that's helped me is um the song of songs um and, and just the title itself is amazing isn't it because it followed the temp uh, the, the pattern right um the holy place is literally the um the holy of holies right mm-hmm. um so it's the most holy place um that's the that's the way the hebrew and the english goes um And the song of songs or or the Lord of Lords means he's the Lord of all lords. And the King of Kings means Jesus is the King of all Kings, right? So the song of songs is like the mother of all songs. And that's quite a big thing to say throughout the whole Bible saying that out of every song that we read in the Bible, the greatest one of all is the song of songs. Okay. And you've got another 150 songs that came before that, which is the book of songs, uh, you know, it's a book of songs as well. And again, it's like, nah, yeah, you know, 150 sums, that's awesome. But still the song, the song of songs is the song of songs, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess a lot of people these days that I've come across, um, take it primarily as, um, you know, about the relationship between the husband and wife, which immediately makes it relevant for a lot of people in the world. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But the traditional way um, that this song, this book has been treated or interpreted, treasured, preached on is that it's it's a picture of Christ and the church and that's why we see that the king um the bride the the groom in the song of songs is a king and he's also a shepherd and Solomon was never a shepherd king um and by the way Solomon doesn't know about faithful love because he's got what 700 wives I think there's a problem there 300 concubines um and here is the love between well Jesus the shepherd king yeah. um the, and he's very priestly he wears priestly garments uh he smells like a priest he's anointed with oil and perfume and everything yeah. um and it begins with um the bride saying let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth um for your love is more delightful than wine and it means it is like the church you're meant to experience this you know have we, have we ever how many people actually pray this I want this sort of intimacy with jesus mm-hmm. to know that you really do love me i want to know your presence i want to know that uh, i'm embraced by you and and i don't know i just find it en- encouraging in the song of songs um and i don't get everything there obviously but um yeah. do, who understands the mandrakes yeah the mandrakes, yeah <laughs> um oh but i think in, in in the way it opens as well right um, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. We'll look at it later on. No wonder the maidens love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Mm. And I love that that's that's meant to be a picture of church. When we meet together on a, on a Sunday, we are meant to experience that, that we're in the chambers of the king together as his bride. And I think I also want to emphasize the corporate aspect of it. So intimacy with Jesus is not just something that I experience at home on my own. Of course, there is that aspect, you know, we all know our own personal devotions and stuff, but I'm not sure you can really enjoy genuine intimacy with Jesus on your own at home. If you're not enjoying intimacy with Jesus along with the rest of the church, because it's not you as an individual necessary, who's the bride of Christ. It's, it's the whole church together that is the bride of Christ. And that's why sometimes I advise uh, people who want to grow in their knowledge and intimacy with Jesus and so on. Um, the Song of Songs gives us very good advice because we get the bride, You know, she's going around saying, tell me you whom I love where you graze your flock. Um, that's chapter one, verse seven. Mm-hmm. And where you rest your sheep at midday. She's looking for, for him. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? She wants to go where he is. And so you get these people um, uh, uh, in verse eight, so-called friends. I think that they, they do represent the, the church as well, partly um if you do not know most beautiful of women follow the tracks of the sheep go where the sheep are so if you really want to go and be with jesus go where he is he's always with His flock he's always with the church that's where he primarily is um and the thing also when we you know we spoke about the lampstand um in revelation chapter one the risen jesus um he's always walking amongst the lampstand um and 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 it's amazing it's really encouraging as well because when you think about the seven churches, right? Only about two of them maybe are, are, are you know, really faithful to him. The rest are all severe, you know, massively compromised in all sorts of ways, right? And, and sinful. And yet he's still with them, you know? And, and, and I think in, in a wedding, you know, you've taken weddings, I'm sure, um, or, or been, you, know, you you've been married as well. <laughs> uh, and we say to our wives, don't we? For richer, for, poor, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health and jesus um he's unlike most men in the world who, who don't keep those vows all the time yeah. jesus he seriously keeps those vows all the time he's never ever failed in that vow to be with us for better for poorer for richer for worse uh, you know uh, for, for better for worse for richer for poorer mm-hmm. um and he really has gone all in with us
0: absolutely in life yeah. and in death absolutely yeah. oh that's glory uh, leon thank you thank you so much um anything else that you did want to say about that that first question i I keep jumping in because i'm excited and wanting to find out more um yeah i I think you know thinking about the marriage
1: as well about about the church um i really want to encourage people um you know you you cannot go all in with jesus um without also going all in with the church Mm. so i'm not just encouraging people to go to church i'm saying like you cannot have jesus without the church right that's kind of like a woman um you know, standing before her husband to be at a wedding service, making all those promises and then saying, giving a caveat. Yeah. I don't really want all of you. I just want your head. I don't mm-hmm. really like the rest of your body. But when you think about it, Jesus, he's he's you can't have him without the rest of his body mm. and his body is, is the church. Right. And another way that Ephesians is another book about church. You've got to read it. Right. Um, it's all about how, um, the church is the body of Christ. And the amazing way and how that's described is that the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything. So I don't know if you you're old enough to have watched Jerry Maguire. Have um, you watched Jerry Maguire? Been, I've
0: never watched it.
1: There's, there's a very cheesy scene <laughs> where um you know you complete me. They use them, some sign language and stuff, right? And I think you know it, it's cheesy, but that's what Jesus says to us: the mm. church completes him. You know, it's almost like he's not complete without the church. So if you want more of Jesus, more fullness of Jesus, you've got to give yourself totally to the life of the church. Mm. Um, you know, you can't you can't flourish in, in, in your relationship with Jesus. You can't have a serious relationship with Jesus if you're not flourishing and if you're not having a serious relationship with the church as well. Mm. Um, and I think there might even be a flip side to that. If you delude yourself that you can have a deep relationship with Jesus, when actually you're not interested in others in the church, you're selfish, you're not serving, you're not giving yourself to other people, you're bickering, you're holding grudges. Mm. That will make, that's not just a sign that you're spiritually sick, really. That could even make you physically sick. Mm. Um, mm. You know, communion, right? Yeah. In 1 yeah. Corinthians 11, and, and I've thought a bit about this because so many people are afraid of um, sharing a cup now. You know what i mean mm-hmm. of passing gems and so on but actually people have never really considered seriously that um the lord does personally make people sick when they take communion in the wrong way and he even kills some of them off they're christians but he even kills some of them off and i think why would he ever do that mm-hmm. it's not just because they didn't understand that the body uh, the, the bread represents his death on the cross Actually, it's because they didn't understand that eating the bread is sharing in the rest of the body, which is the church. Mm -hmm. So eating the bread in an unworthy manner is saying, um, yeah, I want Jesus, but I really don't love my brothers and sisters. Well, I don't even consider them brothers and sisters in the church. And we're so disruptive to the life of the church, to the body. We're breaking the body apart in the the wrong way. Um, He says, you're too disruptive. I'm going to make you sick, give you some time out or I'm actually going to kill you off because, you know, it's better that you just come and be with me right now. Wow. Um, huh. So we should be more afraid of the Lord striking us with sickness in that sort of way than we should be of germs, really.
0: Absolutely. I'm not sure we think about those sorts of things, but is there in First Corinthians 11, and we can read more about that and think more about that. Oh, lots, lots of food for thought there. And ju- just a quick one, just on... Um, kind of church life so you've said you know to be intimate with jesus we need to be intimate with with our church family Uh, and what does what does that look like i mean you've already talked about communion sharing holy communion together what what else does that look like for you and uh you know what do you see there in scripture
1: yeah um i think i think it means that we learn to treat the church the way jesus treats the church Hmm. um and, and i think um you know, it's is it's really down to earth. Um, like forgive one another. Um, not just once, not just twice, forgive as Jesus forgives, uh, which is again and again and again. Um being amazingly patient and gracious with one another, uh loving each other unconditionally. And and I think, you know, we can we can think about that a bit more in terms of like um it, it should lead to us living like Jesus, which is a cross, cross, cross-shaped life sort of thing. Um and I, yeah. Um, and what, one of the imagery I have, partly from the Song of Songs, is that, um, you know, Jesus smells of perfume, right? Because as the high priest, like, um, loads of oil is poured on him, which represents the Holy Spirit, which leads to this spirit filled life. But what does a spirit filled life look like and smells like? Actually, it smells of death, doesn't it? Jesus never smelled better than when he, when he died. And think about the main ingredient in, 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 in the oil. Uh, that's used to make the oil to anoint you know priests and kings and so on it's myrrh isn't it and that's exactly what the wise men brought to jesus when he was born and and remember like um, nicodemus and so on what did they use to embalm his body the moment jesus died uh it was myrrh um, and so myrrh is, is about the death of god not just the death of any old man you know what I mean? Um and and i think um he never smells bad uh, better than when he actually died on the cross and i love it so many women in the bible uh, in the new testament anyway they come to jesus they sit by his feet when he's eating at the table and what do they do they, they love pouring oil on his head they love pouring oil on his on his on his feet and it's not just like a random thing where they're like let me look around my house what's the most expensive thing i have um that i can give to jesus actually it's not random at all no. they, they they actually went out they, 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 they i don't know i think they invested a lot of money to buy that oil because they understood who jesus is mm. they knew that he is the bridegroom of the church in song of songs mm. uh, again song of songs chapter one it says doesn't it while the king chapter one verse 12 while the king was at his table my perfume spread its fragrance my lover is to me a sash of myrrh, mm. resting between my breasts yeah. it's wonderful you know so there's one of them is a sinful woman notorious right and the the, the, the the religious leaders didn't want to touch her you know they were too high and mighty. Uh, you know yuck basically they've given up on her but here is is Jesus and he's the, he's the living God he's the holy one and this woman approached her she, he knows everything about her life and yet what she's saying is you be my bridegroom. Will you have me as your wife? I want to be part of your bride. And she pours perfume on him to smell like mercy. No. And Jesus says, she's preparing me for my burial. What she's saying is, you take all my sins, all all the burdens of my sin, my guilt, my shame, whatever. (laughs) I think that's that's the thing Jesus wants us to know. Any one of us, he's not ashamed of us. He didn't come to lo- look for a beautiful bride that fits his standard. Mm. You know what I mean? He, he is the one who makes us beautiful, who accepts us unconditionally, who deals with all our, our regrets, our shame, everything that we know is wrong about us. And he transforms us. You know what I mean? Um but anyway, so so that is that is the most awesome thing about Jesus, that he 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 he, he all we have to give to him is our sin. And yet he says, Yep, I'll take all of that. And I'll deal with all of that. I'll pay all the debts. Right? Um, I'll die for you on the cross mm. and and I think you know he smells like myrrh, right? And I was thinking about how like um just just a quick friendly hug with someone with really strong perfume, right um, you go away and suddenly you smell like them. yeah and imagine like and, and I think it's the same with Jesus if you're lingering with him, if he's embracing you, you begin to smell like him. Or it could be like um, another thing I was thinking about. Um, I don't know if it's helpful, but it's like a barbecue, isn't it? Because on the cross, um, Jesus was being sacrificed as the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. And, and in the Bible, I guess the most basic one is the burnt offering, right? And it gives a soothing aroma to the living God. And you think what's that all about? A soothing aroma. It's not just a nice smell. It's a soothing aroma, which means that something, you know, he's angry isn't it he takes sin really really personally and in the whole of scripture sin is something like really ugly and disgusting way more than we we understand really and it's a stench to the living God and it's like ah you know what I mean that creates anger that causes him to be angry with it but then when when the sacrifice is offered he's like ah I don't smell the stench anymore this is a good smell but of course we know that all the animal sacrifices in, in in the old testament is pointing to the sacrifice of jesus when he dies on the cross the, the, the god the father is like all his anger against our sin and, and Jesus' own anger against our sin all that is satisfied he's soothed by it it covers over um the, the stench of our sin for, for, for forever um and and i think on the cross it's about him laying down his life for those who are unworthy even for his enemies and so you know, that, that's what it means to, to live a cross-shaped life, to smell like Him. And I think in, in, we, we were thinking about Philippians, was it chapter 3, verse 18? Yeah. Um, Paul is writing to the Philippian church. You know, and it says, um, there are many who live um, as enemies of the cross, of Christ. Um, I used to think about that, that phrase in terms of just, have you got a right doctrine? A right theory of the atonement you know what i mean uh, and if you've got a wrong theory of the atonement then um, you know you, you're an enemy of the cross and of course there's, there is that aspect but if you have a really right the, uh, doctrine of the atonement on the cross then you must also know that the cross isn't just a theoretical thing but it's a way of life that jesus calls us to it's not just something that gives us forgiveness it is but it is—it um, opens the way to a new way of life that Jesus calls us to, you know, um, uh, carry across. And uh, this was pointed out to me at a Bible study one day at our church, where, um, you know, I, just, I was just asking people what's an enemy of the cross, you know, thinking people would just talk about theories of the atonement. But then this person just said, um, "This first time she was reading the Bible through, and she just said, um, it's, it's not living like Jesus, not having the same attitude as him.'" And I said, "Where do you get that from?" And she pointed us back to, um. Uh, Philippians chapter two, um, mm. you know, do not chapter verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important or better than yourselves. Each of you should look not to your own interests but to the interests of others. Your attitude should be exactly the same as that of uh, of Christ Jesus.
0: Mm. Um, oh. yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Oh, wow, so much. And thank you for sharing sharing your heart uh, as well as your wisdom there as well. Uh, I I really, really appreciate that. And so you're saying church life is about learning life from Jesus, learning to, to love the church as Jesus loves the church, learning to, as one person put it, one another, one another. And it's worth checking out all those commands to 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 love one another yeah. and bear one another's burdens and all those confess our sins to one another and all of that. And and as we do that, we begin to smell more and like more and more like Jesus as we have intimacy with Him and love and serve one another. Because I think in this, in Song of Songs three, the church also smells like myrrh, right? So it's like mm-hmm. it is it is starting to rub off. Um, I love those thoughts. Now, there's an issue in the Bible um, which is very anti-Jesus and something the Lord hates, uh, mm. and that is grumbling. Mm. You, you've mm. done some reflecting on, on that issue. and could, so could you share some thoughts with us about that?
1: Yeah, I think it, 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 it was just something that um, struck me as, well as I was re- reading through the book of Numbers. You know, after the whole census and the numbers thing, um, it's almost like page after page after page is, is people grumbling, the church grumbling against the leaders, and it's a serious issue because, um, when the church grumble against their leaders, the Lord always takes it personally, hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and and I, I'm not sure, like, yeah, there, there are quite a few instances where it's the whole church grumbling, but I wonder it probably started off with a few people right and it spreads you know like like yeast spreading through bread grumbling is something that that, that spreads throughout um, and sometimes it's by by leaders who who want a more prominent position uh, in the church or it's by people who want to be want a leadership position and they're sati- they're not satisfied with you know not being a leader in the church and, and, and so on. Um, and they always think they can do a better job. Um, they can take the church forward. Um, but Miriam is quite, quite an example, isn't he? In, in Numbers chapter 12. Um, Numbers chapter 12, um, verses 1 and 2. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? That's the issue, they asked. Has he not also spoken through us and the lord heard this do you see the, the problem with miriam and moses is that uh, uh and aaron is that um they're like why is it moses who's the only one who's who speak why, 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 why is he the only one that the church is listening to you know we should have a voice as well you know because we have a gift you know we, we have a calling uh you know we too are prophets and uh, you get that in the church all throughout history right Um, But the thing is, they're not the people that the Lord God has actually chosen uh, to to have that prominent role. And what happens is that they don't actually end up bringing the church forward in anything. They always bring the church, set the church back. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of it, you know, the Lord punishes um, Miriam with um, leprosy, in a sense showing her, look, whatever's going on in you, your dissatisfaction with Moses is a serious, serious disease you know it's a rotting disease that was spread throughout the whole church and brought the church and so he has to discipline her in such a, a a visible way and physical way um and then in verse um 15 after she had leprosy miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days and the people people did not move on till she was brought back oh. you see that yeah uh, She didn't bring the church forward at all, even though she thought she would be the one along with with Aaron. Um, (laughs) Korah, Dathan, and Abiram in uh, chapter 16. And, uh, you know, Korah was um, um, a son of Kohath, so he was part of the Kohathite clan. And they had a wonderful responsibility, which is to move the three pieces of furniture that represent the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the tabernacle. That's an amazing position to, to, to have in the life of the ancient church. And yet he was not satisfied. He's like, I want a bigger position. I want to be the one that people listen to because I have insights to God that no one knows about. Which I mean, no one else can see. Mm. Again, it doesn't end well. You know, he leads the church into death, not into more life. Loads mm. of people were, were, were physically killed off. Uh, loads of people ended up being spiritually sick, I guess, dissatisfied with, um, with the Lord, not trusting the Lord, grumbling against him and his leaders. Um, and, and there's a big issue in Philippines as well, isn't it? You know, how do you shine like stars in the universe? You know, and we think about lots of amazing things. Like, actually, do you know what, just do everything move furniture uh, without grumbling or complaining. Hmm. Um, and I think this, this was drummed into me um, a long time ago by by Richard Buse. Mm -hmm. and uh maybe he's i think he said it a few times at jesus at the center conference that we we go to um you know he says doesn't it you know you never have to put yourself forward um trust the church trust the spirit who works in the life of the church to recognize your gifts and to put you forward Mm -hmm. all you need to do is just keep serving in whatever way you can um and you know and i think that just drummed into me um but i'm seeing it why more and more clearly now why that's so wise um you know because we see that it's always very very dangerous you never see anything good come from people who put themselves forward mm-hmm. especially those who think that they have gifts that the church has never that doesn't recognize how gifted they are um and i don't know it made me think as well about how so you know people who who find that their gifts are not recognized or they're, they're in the leadership position but they want more um you know quite often they, they end up leaving the church don't they Uh, to find another church. And I've had people come to St. Paul's and then you find, you you know, after a few conversations, they're like, yeah, they've come to our church because their gifts weren't recognized in another church. Um, And before too long, they leave our church because, you know, I'm not going to recognize someone who comes as because they want a prominent position in the life of the church. Um, And Jesus, he was the most gifted man who's ever lived, I think. Uh, And often, even in his own church, his gifts weren't recognized, but he never leaves the church to go to a different church, to have a more prominent position somewhere else. Oh. He keeps serving, he just serves quietly. And and maybe, you know, for, for people who are thinking about leadership, um, whatever, don't, don't worry about putting yourself forward. Um, just enjoy serving in whatever role, whatever responsibility that the church gives you. And one of the ways that I spot people, I'm, I'm sure it's not the only criteria, but if someone thinks that they have, um, they're really gifted, right? But you never see them um, helping to the up, tidy up after church. You never see them uh, offering to wash up after uh, you know, a church meal in the kitchen or help out like that. I'm not saying that everyone's like that, but if there's no initiative towards that sort of stuff, it's very hard to see how they are called to, you know, what they would, you know, think of as higher things. You know, other things are below them. They've got higher things because they're gifted in that way.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> That's so so helpful so much to think about there and i'm just looking at numbers numbers um, 10 well 11 and 12 uh, and you brought up that passage so you've got the grumbling in numbers 11 and you're talking about actually often in the book of numbers it, it's leaders or people who want to be leaders who are initiating that that grumbling and it is interesting is it that halfway through chapter 11 verse 16 the Lord's answer uh, to this grumbling is to uh, appoint spirit uh, leaders. Yeah. Um, and, and he says, that, doesn't He? Gather the Lord says to Moses, gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them and bring them to the tent of meeting and let, me, and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there. I'll take some of the spirit that's on you and put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may mm. not bear it yourself. Again, bearing one another's burdens there is put yeah. up as a key mark of leadership. But mm. talk to us, I mean, you, you've, you, you've talked a little bit about this, but but what is it? that's a you know a grumbling person is someone who should not be put in into leadership? Mm. What is a spirit-filled leader? What does a spirit-filled leader look like? I mean, I know you've, you've already oh. mentioned a few things, but. Yep you talk a little bit more about that? I think people who, do you
1: know I mean in, in their character, they're, they're like Jesus. Do you know I mean they're warm hearted? Because I think sometimes like, um, you know, I, I'm guilty of it as well. You know, you you worry so much about having the right doctrine um, mm-hmm. and then you just diss everyone else who doesn't have the same doctrine. Like you, you're you quite a harsh person,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know what I mean? And I, I can be like that sometimes. But if you really get the cross, You know Jesus is not harsh with people like that, Um, and I was thinking about how, like, at the end of uh, one Samuel, when David goes to fight, for example, um, and then um, you know there were two hundred men who were going to to on a rescue mission. They were too tired, they were burnt out, Mm -hmm. and David says, "You stay there, you know, uh, with 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 the things you got. These things we'll go forward and go go on the rescue mission and so on." And then they they were successful, but when they came back, some, some of the people who went on the rescue mission, they said, all right, you guys who stayed back. You can have the, um, your, your, your wives and uh, maybe some of your property, but you're not going to share in the rest of the plunder. Mm. And how are they describe? David calls them um, evil persons and troublemakers. Do you know what mm. I mean? They were the guys who were serving the church, and yet they're actually evildoers and trouble, evil persons and troublemakers because they, they just look down on people who, who are too tired to serve. You know, so if you if you're a leader, don't worry about those who are not serving. You just worry about those you can serve. If people are tired, you just keep serving them. You know what I mean? Don't look at people and, and what they lack. Look at people and think about what you can do for them. Um, consider their interests or their you know as more important than yourselves. Um, and I think that's why Paul Paul is quite like that, doesn't isn't he? Like. You know, having this cross-shaped life where he really doesn't have a lot of self-interest at all. He's almost like literally his old self, his self is dead. You know, he's in prison in Philippians, right? Um, and he doesn't write about how he's doing with his food, his comfort levels and everything. All he's worried about, how's the church doing? Is the gospel being preached to people? Yeah. Uh, how are you doing, Philippians? I'm worried about, you know, your, your th- th- some of the things that are going wrong in your church.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's like, he's not depressed. You know his emotional life is so free from self which is what causes a lot of depression yeah. I, you know, I, I don't open a can of worms but sure, he to, yeah. but he, he he genuinely in one thessalonians as well he says like, what if my what is my life what is my joy what's my crown is it not you
0: um
1: now i truly live knowing that you're standing firm in the lord like his emotional well-being is tied to the well-being of the church Do you see that he's free from self because he's always thinking about other people Even when he thinks about uh, his friends that uh, are really helpful to him. You know, he loves Timothy. He's he's a really good right-hand man. Uh, Epaphroditus was sent to him from the Philippian church. And he really needs them. And yet, when he thinks about um, what does the church need? Actually, they need Timothy more than he does. You know, uh, they need Epaphroditus more than he does because they're worried about Epaphroditus. And he sent, sent them back to him. i think that's a mark of a of a leader who's like jesus who smells like jesus um because he's he's pouring his life out like a drink offering you know Mm -hmm. he he's just giving up his own what 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 he needs for the sake of other people Mm -hmm. um and he doesn't grumble you know i mean so much of our grumbling comes from um and our ineffectiveness as leaders come from just like why don't i have a better deal why can't i get what i want Mm -hmm. you know i mean and what what does paul really want he really wants to go and depart and be with Christ but then he knows that the church still needs him and he doesn't mope around and say oh man flip i've got to give up what, what, you know i've got to give up being with jesus just for you guys it's like yeah fine you know i'll get that in the end but if jesus wants him to keep on living i'm not going to mope about i'm just going to focus on why he wants me alive which is to keep serving the church um, and timothy and epaphroditus you know both are like that as well
0: yeah um, yeah wow just as, you're, just as you're speaking there I'm just thinking about like Jesus's hardest words are to the Pharisees and in particular because they, they put burdens upon people and do nothing to, to help them or mm. lift them up mm. That's sort of what you're, you're getting at as well yeah mm. oh man so much so much to learn I think all that we've talked about there kind of ties in nicely together. Jesus, the, the bridegroom who loves his, his, his bride even unto death, loves mm-hmm. them uh, to death and through, through death, and serves his people, uh, bears his people's burdens, welcomes his people uh, to him, to intimacy with him, and welcomes us to come and learn life from him, learn how to serve one another. as as he served us learn how to love one another as he has loved us Mm -hmm. and i guess maybe a a, a good place perhaps to end and a a verse that's just uh, been in my mind as you've been talking uh one of my favorite uh, verses or few verses in the bible from matthew chapter 11 and uh, perhaps i'll just read these uh, as we as we draw to an end Wonderful words. I think it was Augustine who said, yeah, "Jesus' burden gives gives us wings. <laughs> His burdens <laughs> lift <gives> us up." <laughs> it's a wonderful. Oh uh, Leon, uh, so much to think about. There, so much to chew on uh, and act upon. And just thank you so much for for taking the time and sharing God's word with us. Really appreciate that.
1: No, not at all. Thanks for you know inviting me.
0: Fantastic. And thanks to those uh, who've. Watch this or are listening to this. I uh, hope it's been a blessing to you uh, uh, and helped you in your walk with Jesus and your, your love for him, and as you see his love for you. And uh, do tune in for another of these videos uh, at a future date. Thank you.